Well, the ones that code is going to be a big part of, I think, my career over the next few years uh, as I continue to program. It becomes like you just put in the the program that you want to start or the script you want to start, and it completes most of it for you. And it, it really helps you jump into new areas. Welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast with Brian Collins. Here you'll find practical advice and interviews for all kinds of writers. How can writers use NFTs or non-fungible tokens to sell more of their books and connect with other authors, readers and fans of their work? Hi there, my name is Brian Collins and welcome to the Become a Writer Today podcast. NFTs are a topic that have been in the news a lot lately and a topic that have fascinated me. In fact, I've gone down the NFT rabbit hole and I've spent quite a bit of time reading up on the topic, joining Discord channels, watching videos in YouTube or on YouTube, and also reading articles by other people who know more about NFTs than I do. One person who knows more is this week's guest, Shane Neely. He wrote a fantastic article about how writers and authors can use NFTs to sell some of their books and also to increase their income. And it's got me thinking about how I could use an NFT for future creative works. So I went on to the popular marketplace, OpenSea. It's basically the premier marketplace where you can buy and sell NFTs. And it was great to see that all many artists are using OpenSea to sell their artwork, to sell their creations, to set up communities, and also to, I suppose, earn more income from past creations. And I went through the steps of creating an NFT myself. Did not really plan to sell them, but I just wanted to figure out how it would work. And one key takeaway for me is that if you create an NFT, you can earn a residual income in perpetuity. So let me explain how this works. If you sell a book, you'll get the royalty from Amazon of approximately 70% of your self-publishing or between 20 and 30% if you're traditionally publishing. You'll get that royalty once, but if the book sells again through secondary markets, you won't earn any more money from your book. Although you'll probably feel a bit of sense of satisfaction that people are reading your book. However, if you create an NFT, you can earn between 5 and 10% royalty of any future sales of your NFT or your non-fungible token. So if you could sell an NFT for, let's say, $1,000, and that's pretty cheap as successful NFTs go, you could earn $100 based on what that NFT sells for. But if it sells again for more than $1,000, you could continue to earn an income. So you can really see how NFTs could help artists say goodbye to the days when they were on the breadline. That said, not many writers or authors are using OpenSea or are selling their works on the marketplace. And I really had to dig into the platform to find any projects for writers at the moment. So it's definitely an untapped opportunity. And if you're listening to this, I'd encourage you to start thinking about how you could use NFTs for some future creative project, particularly if you're involved in more than just writing or if you want to future-proof your creative business. Now, the other thing we get into in this week's interview is using AI writing software. And I was fascinated to hear how Shane has tested AI writing software and he sent me down a rabbit hole. So I've been testing some various AI writing apps like Jarvis.ai and WriteSonic and WordTune. And my key takeaway from using these apps is they're great for doing things like writing headlines, for writing, you know, an introduction for a blog post. If you're struggling with writer's block or for writing things like meta descriptions and so on for your articles. But if you're going to rely on AI writing software to write an entire article for you, it's just not possible yet. The results, I'd say, are comparable for what you get if you pay, you know, a writer 
two or three cents a word. They're not very good. And I wasn't happy to publish any of the content that I got with this type of software on my site. But I've started to use this type of software to help me with headlines and meta descriptions, which I always find difficult to write. And also to come up with I suppose, some introductions for articles and then I'll subsequently rework and rewrite. So they're a good tool if you want to, you know, get around writer's block or if you want to incorporate them into your writing workflow. Now, before we go over to this week's interview with Shane, a quick caveat, the audio did drop halfway through the interview. So I hope you'll bear with us. I've edited as best I can, but I think you'll find some valuable takeaways. We get into uh, using AI writing software first, and then we get into NFTs. Now, if you find this week's interview helpful, please consider leaving a short review on the iTunes store or wherever you're listening, or you can simply share the show with another writerly friend because more reviews and more ratings will help more people find the Become a Writer Today podcast. I'm also on Twitter if you want to get in touch. It's at Brian, B-R-Y-A-N, J Collins. Let me know what you think about the show or if you've got questions or feedback for future episodes. Now let's go over to this week's interview with Shane Neely. I wanted to talk to you today all about how writers can use AI to improve their articles and if AI will potentially replace writers at some point in the future. Before we get into that, could you give listeners a flavor for who you are? Yeah, I'm Shane Neely. I focus on the AI aspects of writing because in my day job, I work in natural language processing for a uh, clinical search engine company. And understanding medical documents was part of the work. And I got a feel for how machines read and then write text. And during the pandemic, had a little extra time on my hands for some creative output and uh, became an author. And so I use these AI writing techniques to help me put out uh, two books in about a year. One um, poetry book with AI art in it, AI generated art. And then the latest one, a real uh, passion project of mine is called Stone Age Code which talks about the evolution of of AI and where it is and how you can learn it, as well as an interest of mine, which was human evolution and uh, where we come from and where, why are we making these tools in the first place? Why did we make any tools in the first place? Uh, So that's Stone Age Code and happy to talk about it with you today. I haven't talked to many writers who've used AI for their book. How would somebody go about doing that? So there are so many services nowadays and even as recently as this month new ones have come out a couple years ago ai writing started to get really good and there was a big scare around oh it's gonna it's gonna make a lot more fake news which i'm sure it it does but the the writing got to a point where you didn't really know a machine wrote it um, because it was pretty decent and that model that got the headlines a couple years ago called GPT-2. That was open sourced and released to the public. And as a programmer, I was able to get a copy of it and train it on my own writing. So I, I wasn't just using the AI writing tool. I was actually trying to make a little author clone of myself. So putting in, you know, as it's training data, all of my previous writings and notes and journals that I had done, as well as I spend a ton of money on Kindle books and just read a lot and I, I highlight like crazy. So I previously used a tool to create a piece of content. I created a series of headlines, uploaded it to the tool, but I got back an article that wasn't very good. That was about 11 months ago. Do you think the software has improved since then? AI writing software? 
There are some new ones that are better. That was most likely a, a GPT-3 plugin, which is, is pretty is state-of-the-art for sure, and they keep improving it. But, you know, there was one from a Israeli group that's just released that's free to use right now as well, the AI-21 Labs that has a, a model called Jurassic 1. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that one that you'd use, but uh, I think the key is, at this point, is it can be brilliant as a another mind that you use for your output but you've got to really push it you can't just expect the first thing returned to be final product but i think if you keep using it uh, iteratively it, it'll get you there and there's also so much to learn about how to prompt it just different structures of text different ways that you end the sentence and it finishes the sentence for you different you know whether you're it's an outline and you're you're bulleting it or the q a format these different things matter so much to the final output and that's why i'm starting on a new book about prompt engineering which is a boring title i, I need more like uh, tickling the ai or something i i don't know but it's going to be all about how a average writer can best use these tools and which you know they're coming out with new ones every day and new bottles every day are these tools, are they all using different code and different underlying technology? I think probably most of the tools that are heavily marketed right now are built on the OpenAI API, which is the group that created GPT-3. And, you know, that's the Microsoft-backed group. And, you know, that model is is great. And just, just a month ago, uh, they released one that writes code for you. And as a programmer, I'm, like, extremely impressed with the way that it has actually not only learned to just regurgitate code, but actually understands how to code. So the yeah, the machines are writing their own code at this point, and it, it's fascinating. Yeah, I could understand how AI software could write code because mm -hmm. it's quite logical and involves solving problems. And my other takeaway was that AI writing software will be quite good for informational nonfiction, but it would take a few more years before it could produce something on the quality of literary fiction or story. Yeah, yeah. If, if even if outside of human intervention, I don't think it, it ever will. It's always going to be just like uh, you have a, a creative, weird friend and, you're, and the, you meet at a coffee shop that you talk about your book with. And every once in a while, it has a brilliant new direction for your book. And it, he could even finish some paragraphs for you. But if you let him keep talking, he starts totally losing his mind and uh, makes no sense and has no respect for okay. truth but yeah <laughs> if i'm listening to this and i'm thinking i want to try some ai writing software do you recommend i go to luther.ai or is there something else i should use um yeah that's a real simple one where yeah eluther.ai i think it's called 6b.eluther.ai and you can put in your your prompt and whatever you wanted to say and have it finish. You should also sign up for the uh, OpenAI API, which that'll give you access to GPT-3. And so sign up using your your credentials as you, the this wonderful writing platform that you've built to uh, become a writer today. I think they'll give you access pretty quick because they, they like people, they like journalists who spread the word about it. So you that will give you access to GPT-3. And then the other one that you can immediately get right now is AI21 Labs. They have a studio and it's nice. It has all these, these different prompts on the left-hand side of ways to use it. 
And um, those are the big ones right now, I would say. Where do you see the technology going over the next few years? Well, the ones that code is going to be a big part of, I think, my career over the next few years. Uh, as I continue to program, it becomes like you just put in the the program that you want to start or the script you want to start, and it completes most of it for you. And it, it really helps you jump into new areas. So I think as a writer as well, using these things to, okay, I've never, okay, I'll tell you a weird story. I got contacted by Qatar and their World Cup. Uh, they want to help fans promote uh, the World Cup and, you know, get Westerners to the country and just promote it on social media. And they, they built this fan engagement program that I had signed up for. And you may think this is strange. You're, you're being a European. I'm just not a big football fan. And, uh, you know, I, I follow the NBA and NFL over here, yeah. but don't know too much ab about soccer. And so as the nerd that I am, I put in to the AI, I would be a good person for this fan leader program that is, you know, promoting the World Cup because, and I let the AI write 20 examples of the reasons why. <laughs> and what did it say? Just like, it said like, I love the people of Qatar and want to help engage with their culture. And which is true that I visited and it was a really nice place. It said like, I really am interested in learning the Arabic language. I was like, okay, that's a good thing to say next. It's saying that it made up stuff about how I follow, you know, football teams and how I'm a big fan of the World Cup, which I didn't include to them because I didn't want to lie. But if you have, you know, if you're jumping into a new area and you want to quickly become an expert on it, you can have this AI sort of write a bunch of nonsense for you. So this, it's going to certainly affect fake news. And I, I can imagine, you know, if you've ever used Clubhouse where people go on there and pretend that they're experts at certain things, I think you could just, while you're talking, with somebody, use the tool to finish what they said, and then it'll just come up with a script for you of what to say next, and you read it. So that's a that's a really weird use case I was thinking of yesterday. Yeah, it's interesting. I can imagine if somebody was building a content website and had informational content, like a listicle, that this kind of software would be very helpful for populating the listicle. Yeah, I made a listicle a few, few days ago. It was like six ways to buy a horse, and it was like, I just put that in and then it's like, number one, like get a stable. Number two, take horse riding lessons. Number three, you know, forget, but it totally finished the article, it finished a whole blog post about like what to do to buy a horse. <laughs> so if I was listening to this and I was a writer and should I be concerned that I'm going to be out of the job in a few years time? If you're writing basic content like that, you know, and you haven't really expanded into like, real writing i guess uh yeah you could you could be out of a job because they're certainly getting good at that uh, at being a content farm if you're doing yeah like you said if you're doing creative writing and you're writing the next novel that, that i say you're totally secure for quite a while and these tools could only help you enhance your creativity yeah. and they they think so strangely and you can turn up there's little dials on them you could turn up their randomness and they think so much different than you would And it could, I don't know, I think it's for creative writing, it gives you an edge over, over some writers maybe because it, it does think differently. So Shane, I know you have a lot of development experience and a technical background, but from what you've just said, it's possible to use these tools without having that experience and, and get value from them. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure.
to do the thing right now that I want to do where it's making a little author clone of myself, that requires technical experience or probably paying somebody to do that for you, where it's, it's, it's trained on your personal writing. And if you have a backlist of, of books, putting those into the model and training them so that it kind of understands your characters, understands the way that you speak, and requires less prompt engineering. You know, it kind of understands your story a little better at that point. So it may require um, less tries to get something good out of it. That's still pretty technical. That's called fine tuning. But just using them for creative ideas, I anybody could jump into it right now. It, it, whether you're just writing a tweet or a blog post, or you're finishing that paragraph that you were doing, or want more details on your your characters, want to start some dialogue. Yeah, I'm going to try it after the call. You, you've also done something that I don't think many writers have done, but lots of artists are doing, at least ones I follow on Twitter. You've created an NFT or non-fungible token based on your book. Would you be able to describe what you did? Mm-hmm. I got highly distracted by this other AI technique while I was writing it um, called uh, style transfer. Uh, and it's similar to generative art. And basically you take two photos and apply the style of one photo to the other using one of these machine learning algorithms that understands colors and textures and photos because it's a it's a computer vision model and so it's able to combine photos in a unique way and i produced about 80 of those and i wrote uh, i had a, a real poet write the first line of a poem by looking at that ai art they looked at okay this picture of these chimps or this these bananas or this uh, skyline what does it make me think of so the poet write the first line and then the ai finished the poem based on that so it was just an experiment i was doing with combining humans and ais and their art into poetry and uh i like it so when this nft craze started happening about the same time i was publishing the book i thought oh, okay i have 80 images here that are they're rare because they're my they're unique art that is going into a physical book And so I could use the idea also of digital scarcity, where if you really were a fan of the book, you could own that image in the book as an NFT. So that was interesting. It helped me learn a bit more about blockchain, you know, which I've gotten more into since then. Uh, And probably, you know, for the next book, I'll do the same thing. Keep putting out, as long as I'm making digital art, uh, keep listing these NFTs. Is the process for creating an NFT complicated? Do you need much technical expertise? Oh, no, it's basically, uh, you need, I guess it depends. It depends on the audience. Yeah, You'll have to figure out how to create your uh, digital, your crypto wallet so that you can hold them. But the OpenSea.io is, is the main website. Everybody is, is uploading there, easily uploading an NFT to that puts it out on a marketplace uh, and people can bid for them with cryptocurrency. So it's not too technical, but what am, who am I to say? I spent all day at a computer anyways. <laughs> <laughs> How many did you say you created? There was 80 for the poetry book and then 15 or so for Stone Age Code. I have about That's quite a, a lot. I have, have about 100 out there um, and only a few of them cost me fees for for minting for listing and i was kind of like 
when I was excited to promote the book and I was like, I'll do anything to list this NFT and the gas prices cost me $75 for a single one. And then another wow. one maybe cost me $10. And then after that, for whatever reason, the rest of them didn't cost anything. And I clearly don't know enough about blockchain to understand why that is. But <laughs> was this over the course of several days or several weeks? Yeah, it was several days. So maybe uh, OpenSea had changed some of their, their policies or something. Yeah. Yeah, the, the gas prices are pretty off-putting for something like that. Would you recommend authors consider an NFT when working on their next book? Well, it's made me incredibly rich. So, yeah. <laughs> you didn't do it for the money. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, haven't sold a, I haven't sold a single one, yeah. um, but I haven't really marketed them either to the, yeah. the NFT collector community. I would say, yeah, if you have fans or you think you're easily going to get big fans of your work, then you know it's one way to get your get your art out there if you're if you're making digital art if you have a cool book cover and you your fans just really want to own that that you know digitally signed book cover but if you're like me and you have yet to build a fan base don't put too much effort into it unless you just want to learn about blockchain and, and find it entertaining yeah i've spent a bit of time on OpenSea, but it doesn't strike me that many writers or authors are selling anything on OpenSea at the moment. Perhaps that'll change over the next year or two. Yeah, one, one of these days, one of my NFTs will sell. That's the goal. <laughs> <laughs> and for somebody who's quite interested in emerging technologies, how do you balance writing with what, on the surface at least, looks like a completely different type of work? Sure. Um, it's uh, Getting these first couple books out there was easier than I thought it was going to be because I had just such a well of writing within me and the, the words kind of flowed. Um, and then I was very motivated to learn everything about self-publishing and formed a, a company to manage all the finances around it and got the books out there wide in all formats. And the, the self-publishing community was, was so helpful. People like you and people like uh, Joanna Penn and, and her show and there's so many things to learn. And so I got those couple books out there. And then I kind of, you know, stopped writing because I didn't know what my next book would be. And I'm feeling at this point that I have this, you know, it's been a greater part of, of a year since half a year. And I have this feeling that I'm starting to get a vision of what the next book will be. And it'll be helping writers use these AI writing tools. And I think that is going to get my fingers really back into the the writing process. In the meantime, I'm just writing code. So I do sit down to write every day, but I've got to save some time for uh, for prose. Yeah, I, oft, I used to work with a lot of software developers and coders. It struck me that coding is quite similar to writing in many ways in that you have to kind of focus on a problem and get into that kind of deep flow state. And, you know, some of the coders that I was working with, they almost looked like they were writing. They'd have noise cancelling headphones on and you know, you wouldn't want to distract them. Yeah. And that it's that same muse aspect uh, that writers have because the sort of inspiration that it takes to solve a difficult coding problem is rare. So you could spend, you could spend the greater part of weeks kind of just dilly dallying, like not quite having it together. And then in, you know, like in a flash of a matter of 90 minutes of inspiration, you'll have solved what you know, you were working on for weeks, just because that kind of that muse, that sort of flash came there. And I, the same thing is, is 
for a lot of people in writing, they've trying to access that creativity daily is so hard. And I think, uh, you know, the consistency thing, like morning pages, I've, I've tried to start doing, though I fell off of that. Weekly blog posts, I've tried to start doing it, but that's hard to keep keep a hold of too. So I'm, I'm still trying to find consistency in writing in that way. And so that, you, you know, like you make time for the, for the muse to come. Well, you've written two books. If somebody's interested in learning more about you or your work, where should they go? Sure. My page is shaneneely.com. And that's Neely with a triple E. The, uh, the latest book is at stoneagecode.com. And I would recommend that for anybody who wants a basic grasp of machine learning. And unfortunately, it's filled with too many jokes to really be of an immense practical use for machine learning. But I think it's it's also full of all the right jargon that you're gonna that you're gonna hear if you if you delve into this this space. And so I think it's a good introduction for that. And yeah, so just check that out, StoneAgeCode.com. And I'm all over the internet as chimps are hungry. Um, <laughs> and you'll have to ask my seventh grade self why that would be a good uh, AOL screen name, and hence all of my social media profiles since then. Yeah, well, uh, I guess it's it's memorable. <laughs> Thanks for your time, Shane. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Brian. This was great. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you did, please consider leaving a short review on the iTunes store or sharing the show on Spotify, Stitcher or wherever you're listening. More reviews, more ratings and more shares will help more people find the Become a Writer Today podcast. And did you know for just a couple of dollars a month, you could become a Patreon for the show? Visit patreon.com forward slash become a writer today or look for the support button in the show notes. Your support will help me record, produce and publish more episodes each month. And if you become a Patreon, I'll give you my writing books, discounts on writing software and on my writing courses. Thank you.